Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, it's a great review, great refresher if you're out in practice uh, or, of course, preparing for any pharmacology exams or classes. Uh, it's going to be a great resource for you. Absolutely free, simply an email is all it's going to cost you. So uh, go snag that at reallifepharmacology.com. The drug of the day today is dextroamphetamine. As you could imagine, with the ending of that name, amphetamine, uh, it is going to have similar effects uh, to amphetamines in, in general. So obviously it's going to be a stimulant-type medication. Brand name, uh, Dexedrine, Procentra, Zenzetti, Zelstrom. Um, interestingly, Zelstrom is relatively new. That is a patch formulation. Uh, its primary use is going to be ADHD. And uh, dosing on that one is uh, 4.5 to 18 milligrams uh, in that patch formulation. That's kind of the dosing range, four different dosages. And as you could imagine, for ADHD, we typically only do treatment during the course of the day. Uh, so that patch is actually uniquely left on for a nine-hour period, uh, which is kind of a little bit of a different uh, time uh, time slot for that. So uh, pay attention to that. You might see it. I haven't seen it yet in practice. Uh, obviously, it's very, very expensive at this point, being relatively new. So maybe you won't see it, but um, just wanted to mention that new product uh, that's out there. Uh, definitely other dosage forms as well. So immediate release formulation, extended release formulation, uh, ADHD, again, is what I've seen uh, these stimulants used for the most. Um, another potential diagnosis you may see it for is narcolepsy. So, um, determining what that indication is, is for, I think is, is important, um, to make sure that you know what to assess when you're monitoring and following patients there. All right, let's get into, uh, adverse drug reactions. So before I get too far into the weeds here, I want to make sure I, I cover the mechanism of action. Uh, so dextroamphetamine is going to have sympathomimetic action, and it does that by promoting the release of uh, catecholamines, and primarily uh, norepinephrine and dopamine. Now, getting into the uh, adverse effect profile, as you could imagine, if we uh, essentially increase catecholamines that cause that fight-or-flight response or can increase the risk for that fight-or-flight response, um, you could imagine that there's going to be increases in blood pressure, uh, increases in pulse. Uh, it's That activation could potentially increase the risk for insomnia. It may reduce appetite, which can lead to weight loss. Uh, so these are all really, really important things to monitor when we're using this medication for treatment uh, of ADHD or narcolepsy as well there. Uh, in fact, there is uh, a couple of boxed warnings as well, and one of those is for cardiovascular events. So again, very, very uh, important uh, to pay attention to our patients, making sure they aren't misusing them, using them excessively. Uh, that's going to increase the risk for those cardiovascular problems. In addition to that, there's another boxed warning on abuse and dependence. 
So this drug is a Schedule II controlled substance. Uh, the FDA actually recently had a safety alert too, uh, where they want to add a specific language regarding uh, sharing and giving um, these type of medications to other patients. So making sure that what's prescribed for that patient isn't going anywhere else and we aren't increasing um, the supply of these drugs out in the um, in our communities and things of that nature and obviously increasing the risk that, you know, teenagers, younger kids um, pick up these meds and, you know, develop some sort of addiction. So uh, really, really important there. Again, Schedule II controlled substance that is um, basically the highest risk um, that the DEA gives as far as their classification for um, medically approved uh, medications. So pay attention to that for sure. Uh, other potential adverse effects. So it uh, can change mood, uh, cause some uh, irritability. I mentioned the insomnia before. Uh, loss of libido is possible as well. So thinking about um, some of our young adults and things of that nature. Uh, patch irritation certainly can happen as well. Uh, it can worsen Raynaud's phenomenon. So that's basically um, symptoms of, of numbness and cold fingers. And if you think about the way um, that catecholamine release, such as norepinephrine, um, and the effects that that can cause, it can maybe increase the risk of that numbness and lack of blood flow uh, out to the extremities there. Now, I did want to mention something briefly about the prescribing cascade because I have seen... Uh, stimulants like this used in geriatric patients and potentially maybe older patients, polypharmacy patients on a lot of medications. Um, so when I see a patient with you know newly diagnosed blood pressure or worsening blood pressure, um, I always look back uh, at the medications and make sure we aren't worsening things. And certainly uh, dextroamphetamine could worsen that blood pressure, worsen pulse, um, or excuse me, increase that pulse. So if you see, you know, meds like beta blockers being used to uh, maybe suppress heart rate, you know, make sure that we're not using a drug like dextroamphetamine and actually worsening that. Uh, same thing with insomnia. I've seen this medication dosed later in the day at times, and that can cause issues with insomnia. And then What'll often happen is prescribers won't be paying attention or won't recognize that. And then they add on, you know, a trazodone or a melatonin or an Ambien um, to manage that insomnia. Same thing with appetite, uh, particularly in older patients, they can be frail, that type of thing, um, not be gaining any weight, losing weight. And we've got to make sure to rule out medication causes of that weight loss prior to initiating you know, a medication like mirtazapine, for example, that might be used uh, to stimulate appetite. So just a few examples of the prescribing cascade um, that I wanted to share with you in um, paying attention uh, to this medication. A uh, few other conditions I think that it's important to monitor for, pay attention to. So um, patients with underlying psychiatric disorders like psychosis, uh, bipolar disorder, Stimulants can potentially exacerbate this, so definitely pay attention, be cautious there. Um, seizure disorder is a little controversial in uh, whether it increases the risk of seizures when we use dextroamphetamine and by how much it does that. 
Um, so that is something that I kind of have in the, the back burner if I know a patient has seizure disorder um, and or if I know a patient has had multiple seizures recently, uh, it might be a good idea to, to take a look at this medication and say, hey, how much benefit is this providing? Uh, and or ask yourself the question, is this worsening uh, the patient's seizures based upon timing and things of that nature? Uh, serotonin syndrome is a risk as well. There's potential to increase serotonin activity mildly as well. And then if you combine that with other medications, um, that is something that, you know, not a high, high priority for me to, to look for. But uh, if you happen to run into that, it's something you want to maybe consider. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material, like ambulatory care, geriatrics, pharmacotherapy, uh, BCMTMS, uh, go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a growing list of resources there uh, for those pharmacist board certification exams. If you're a pharmacy student, we've got NAPLEX content available. Uh, if you're in school taking pharmacology classes, we've got uh, the Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards as well as the Pharmacology Crossword Puzzle Book. So kind of a cool way to learn things there. Um, those are available on Amazon. And I'll also put links at meded101.com slash store so you can get direct access there. All right, let's wrap up with drug interaction. So first and foremost, I do want to talk about CYP enzymes. Uh, it is broke, dextroamphetamine is broken down uh, significantly by CYP2D6. So CYP2D6 inhibitors naturally could increase the effects of this medication. So uh, your bupropion, for example, your paroxetine, those are CYP2D6 inhibitors um, that could potentially raise concentrations of dextroamphetamine. Uh, additive stimulants, I, I pay attention to those. So um, obviously there's the illicit drug use side, there's you know methamphetamine, there's cocaine, uh, but also, you know, maybe milder stimulants such as uh, caffeine, if patients are taking them in excessive dosages, uh, it certainly could exacerbate, you know, insomnia, tachycardia, increase in blood pressure if we add it on top of dextroamphetamine. Um, bupropion seizure risk, I did want to mention that, you know, maybe some potential additive effects there. Uh, serotonergic agents, I kind of alluded to that previously. So, you know, any SSRIs, TCAs, other antidepressants with serotonergic activity, um, dextroamphetamine could potentially uh, increase that risk for serotonin syndrome. Uh, and then one, uh, using the um, immediate release, extended release uh, medications through the GI tract. So an increase in uh, acidity can actually reduce the absorption of dextroamphetamine and amphetamine derivatives. So the one that I primarily think about is a supplement. So vitamin C, um, taking that with oral dextroamphetamine, that could actually reduce the absorption of the dextroamphetamine that we're taking. So um, not generally a life-changing drug interaction, but it definitely is something to think about if you've got a patient that, you know, maybe was responding fine to their dose or whatever they're taking for ADHD, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're having more symptoms and they're not responding. Um, definitely would be a good idea to check out that med list, check out the supplement list, make sure to ask them about any over-the-counters. Um, again, vitamin C could potentially uh, reduce that absorption. 
All right. Well, I think that wraps up the podcast for today. Hopefully you picked up some good practice pearls. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out to me, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP on LinkedIn, or you can track me down at mededucation101 at gmail.com as far as my email goes. Uh, please do us a huge favor, leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Or if you've bought any books or study resources, uh, definitely don't hesitate uh, to leave us a rating review on, on Amazon uh, and or other platforms there. So uh, with that said, please support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, in addition to that, uh, don't hesitate to share this podcast uh, with colleagues, students, classmates, and things of that nature. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, in making this one of the uh, most highly rated pharmacology podcasts in the world. So I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Take care, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.